don't even think about it. Up there? Yeah? Why am I talking to a cat? Welcome to Hello, This is the Doomed Show. I am Richard. Folks, I'm joined by Lietta. Hello, Lietta. Hello. And uh, we know we're pulling the ripcord on a parachute made of Halloween a little early because it's September. (laughs) But uh, sometimes when you have a crappy year, you're like, let's have Halloween in freaking March, bro. But no, this is September. We held out. We were good people dare I say, great people, and do a double feature. So here they come. I'm going to announce the titles, which are also the titles listed in the title of this episode. I'm talking about, we're talking about, Once Bitten, 1985, and in my notes, my BFF is Vampin from 1987, which is My Best Friend is a Vampire, 1987. One of these movies contains Halloween, and one of them contains absolutely no Halloween. <laughs> but uh, these films have so much in common that we ended up pairing them together. Like, pretty much every time we watch them now, we have to have one with the other. If you haven't seen these films, people, go watch them. We're going we're gonna to spoil them. But I mean, they're, they're freaking teen sexy comedies. So who cares? Although, luckily, the sex isn't very high. <laughs> like a high sex quotient. But they're a huge part of the plot. No, it's a, it's a good, uh, wholesome 1980s sexy. <laughs> <laughs> well, with a with a nice dash of sleazy characters. <laughs> not too wholesome. That's as wholesome as you got in the 80s. That is true. That is true. Uh, so, y'all, yeah, we'll do uh, do them in order. We'll go with uh, good old One Spittin' first, and we'll talk about My Best Friend is a Vampire. So here is the trailer for One Spittin'. You've got bigger boobs, Lambo. Once bitten. Like singing in the rain, boy. Like sicking on a bleak block. Beautiful song. Mark never gave vampires much thought. Hello, tall, dark, and handsome. <laughs> until he became one. Oh, wow, I love your outfit. I'm not wearing a costume. Now he's losing his girl. Like you're not the Mark I thought I knew. You look like Jerry Lewis. His customers. Get out of here! 
and his mind. I don't want to be a vampire. I'm a day person. Nothing is sacred. How was he? In a tasty comedy. Delicious. Once bitten, rated PG-13. Now playing at a theater near you. So that was the trailer uh, for Once Biggin. And I have the lovely um, Scream Factory Blu-ray with uh, Once Bitten and Love at First Bite. Now, this is just loaded with extras, brother. And by extras, I mean the other film, (laughs) the other feature, which uh, Love at First Bite. And I'm craving to watch now. I want to watch this. I, I always enjoy George Hamilton. Yeah, Tan Dracula. Love him. Here's the plot. Jim Carrey is necking with a vampire in Once Bitten, a 1985 teen comedy also starring Lauren Hutton, Karen Copens, and Cleavon Little of Blazing Saddles. When a vampire countess, Hutton, seeks virgin blood, she soon discovers it is not as easy to come by as it was in the good old days. When she crosses paths with the still virginal Mark Kendall, Carrey in one of his earliest screen roles, it's a race against time to get him to... To get him before he gets it on. <laughs> Once Bitten is a totally 80s teen vampire flick where the bloodsuckers don't sparkle, but the comedy most certainly does. They dated themselves. They did. They wrote it. They wrote that <laughs> summary after oh, Twilight. That's so bad. You're, they were doing pretty good. I mean, my literacy notwithstanding, that was pretty succinct. Uh, so Once Bitten, uh, this is from director Howard Storm. Um, he was a big uh, TV dude, and this was written by four people. This needed four writers to make it happen. Uh, one of them, the most notable one, is uh, Jonathan Roberts. I wrote of on in my notes, he's one of the Lion Kings, because he's one of the people that wrote the Lion King. How many people wrote the Lion King? I didn't want to look. Oh, okay. if, if it took four people to write this, <laughs> that might have been like 25 people to write the Lion King. Which I've still never seen in my life. It happens in academic publishing all the time. You know, 20, 20 authors. Yeah, well, this this is certainly um, uh, as close to literature as we've ever covered <laughs> on this show. That's for sure. <laughs> um, this is very slightly kind of an 80s movie. Just a little, just tiny bit 80s. I had in my notes the style of this movie in coloration. Not just the clothing, but the decor. Oh, I should correct myself. It's not the clothing of the characters, because we see a shopping scene, and it's the clothing that is available that's the new hip clothing. <laughs> but it includes all the decor of the Countess's house is black, white, gray, yellow, baby blue, and pink. Yep. And, and then the clothes in the store, I think you said they were like white, black, and then pink, yellow, and blue like all neon yeah all all the decor and the clothes were the same (laughs) now i suppose the countess kind of fits into that because she always wears black yeah but mark and robin robin sorry (laughs) i have a problem remembering her character's name mark and robin do not dress in those hip colors i suppose robin more she's in a lot of white yeah her her outfit when she's at work because robin the girlfriend of jim carrey uh, that would be uh, the aforementioned. Oh, yeah, Karen Copens. Hmm. She is at work at a shopping mall, uh, selling the, these slick duds to people, and her shirt and her outfit embody all, all the colors in the store, which is only like four colors. <laughs> I suppose now that I think of it, Robin is often in white. 
Yeah. When the Countess is often in black. Ooh. That was probably on purpose. No way, bro. <laughs> Total coincidence. So, yeah, Mark is horny. Our, our pal, uh, um, I almost forgot his name. I did forget his name. Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey. I used to be a huge Jim Carrey fan when I was a teen. Like, I loved Jim Carrey. He's delivered laughs again and again and again. Then we got serious, did some serious roles. I loved him. And now, whatever. Jim Carrey's fine. He's fine. But, uh, yeah, he's he's a virgin. And Karen and Robin is also a virgin. And there's this wonderful pressure to lose your virginity in this movie. It's I think there wouldn't be a movie without virgin shaming. I didn't have anywhere. I didn't have anywhere else what, to go. Vir- with. Virgin shaming from other virgins because <laughs> the other two main characters. So Robin also has a couple of friends that show yeah. up. Yeah, but they don't get a lot of screen time, and we. I don't think we even learn their names. But Mark has two friends that are constantly with him. Oh boy, uh, Russ and Jamie, and. They are equally virgins, but the virgin shaming is happening within their group. So it's virgin shaming by other virgins. Oh, boy. Uh, yes. Real quick. Karen Copens is in a, a movie we need to see called Fast Forward. It's a teen uh, dance movie that I think is also a musical and released the same year as this with nothing but leotards and hip, cool, fun kids breaking into stuffy old like uh, rich people establishments and and dancing well she did have a dance number see yeah. in this i don't know how big of a part she has in fast forward but folks if you've seen fast forward let us know i'm very curious about it tell so, yeah her, his buddies we got uh the sleazy friends we got uh skip lackey as russ i believe he has the line i hate the whole thing i, I love when he says that i thought that was jamie who Oops, said that i'm mixing them up either way so <laughs> Russ's pickup line is, uh, hi there. I'm Russ and uh, I'm a Sagittarius. I enjoy surfing, candlelit dinners and Tolstoy. I'm a mature person and, uh, you're a mature person. So why don't we just skip all the bullshit, get rid of our inhibitions and, uh, do what we really want to do. So, uh, yes, thank you for correcting me. Yeah. Russ was in a movie called Invasion of the Mindbenders from 1987 that looks like a huge piece of garbage. It's a sci-fi comedy, and the whole thing's on YouTube, and I got bored flipping through it. So, looks great. Jamie, however, uh, Thomas Balatore, was in Fatal Games from 1984, a slasher I have still never seen. A sports-themed slasher akin to Graduation Day. But yes, uh, good old Russ and Jamie will bring this film's most unfortunate special feature, Gay Panic. And, and disturbing fast food. Yes, there, there's Gay Panic in both of these movies, but we're going to talk about the message that's secretly hidden in My Best Friend is a Vampire, uh, which I think gives it the edge as far as like people's fondness for it. We'll see. Yes, the, they, they work in a fast food place. And much like Beavis and Butthead, if you ate there, you would die. It's called Circus Burgers. <laughs> and the secret sauce is made up of the scrapings off of the trays. Right. Not, not just like Wendy's Chili, which is if they make a burger wrong on the griddle, they'll throw it in a bucket. Or if they burn a burger, they'll throw it in a bucket 
And then later that bucket is, of burgers is boiled within an inch of its life. And that becomes the meat for the chili. It doesn't sound good on paper, but I worked there. And then later I ate the chili. So I, and I turned out okay. I said I turned out okay. Okay. Are you giving away trade secrets there? I hope so. Are they going to come after you? I hope so. They're going to they're owe me money to shut me up. Um, this, this is back when Wendy's still had a salad bar. Good times. Uh, but uh, yeah, Mark gets really sick in the movie from BBS. He has a burnt burger syndrome. He, the burger patty is literally looks like charcoal. And he hands it back. Says, oh, this thing is raw. And he makes him literally set it on fire. Well, I think the fire on the grill was accidental, but they managed to save the burger right. for him from the fire. Although that might expa- explain why Jamie has a nervous stomach. Yeah. If he's he, eating the food where he works. <laughs> Whenever he gets scared. <laughs> so so uh, Mark is complaining after the, the, the scene with uh, Robin when uh, they're not making out. Well, excuse me. They're making out, but they're not going all the way because Robin isn't ready yet. And they're parked in his ice cream truck. And she doesn't want to do it in an ice cream truck. Hey, she's not very adventurous is all we're saying. <laughs> But uh, Mark, you know, he has to cool off, so he gets out of the truck all mad that he's not getting laid. And all of the people in this oil field, the makeout point is next to an oil field. It's so. in Texas. No, that's that's uh, that's my best friend as a vampire, dude. Oh, wait. Is Once Bitten not in Texas? It's no. in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm telling you, dude, the same movie. <laughs> well, you had to look so confused right now. <laughs> I didn't think California was known for oil fields. <laughs> Apparently, they parked by the one. The main thing is, all these people are pumping away on their dates, and also, there's oil fields pumping. It's it's a visual joke. Hilarious. And so, he's complaining to his buds about not getting laid, and apparently, him and Robin have been together for six years. Four years. See, he says four, but later, but they said six in that scene. Russ's theory is if you've you've been with or known a girl for six years and haven't gotten in her pants uh, and it's not going to happen. Okay. I don't know if Russ can be trusted to tell us how long they've been together. <laughs> or he can't count. Because I think I think Robin also says, you know, I'm the girl you've been trying to get in the pants for the last four years. So Maybe they knew each years. other for two years before Maybe. the beautiful relationship started. Love them. Uh, so they decide to go down to LA and uh, freaking, you know, get our bud mark laid so they go and we get a nice montage which is why i love the blu-ray the montage of downtown la with all the freakos running around the streets them gawking at people it reminds me of the scene from (laughs) uh, earth girls are easy when they're driving around in la and gawking at girls it's really wonderful earth girls are easy They go to a club. They go to a singles bar, which is the most delightfully tacky thing I've ever seen. It's a dial-a-date with giant phones everywhere, and people are calling different tables and chatting each other up. And this is when we meet the Countess. Well, we meet her prior to this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I just skip to them. Like, yes, we, we get exposition. I just thought I'd skip in a like 20 minutes into the movie for literally no reason. <laughs> but here's a great time to talk about the Countess. Uh, we're talking about Lauren Hutton, 
star of one of our favorite films. Zorro the Gay Blade. Zorro the Gay Blade. Oh, my gosh. Uh, speaking of movies that would never get made anymore yeah. or never get made today, um, Lauren Hutton's great. Um, I do have a funny thing about her casting. So, supposedly, this movie was written for Elvira, a.k.a. Cassandra Peterson. Wow. Maybe she was not into it or it just all fell through or they needed a bigger star because, yes, Elvira was everywhere at the time. But maybe the movie people didn't understand. There's no well, Lauren Hutton was already in the movies. She was quite big. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah she was one of the, uh, the It Girls. Uh, but she was also not the first choice after – she was just not the first choice. They, they wanted Kathleen Turner – who would have been so wrong for yeah, this? She, yeah, so it wrong have for this. Out. Now the alternate universe casting. Obviously, I'm we're dealing with three universes here because I want to see the one with Elvira. Mm, I yes. really love this one with Lauren Hutton. But then there's the Morgan Fairchild universe. Oh no! <laughs> yes, yes, yes. It was so great. <laughs> Prior to her award-winning role in. Phantom of the Mall, Eric's Revenge, you know, she could have kicked it in this movie. Would have been brilliant. <laughs> no, Lauren Hutton, perfect. <clears throat> uh, she and her... Um, valet. Her, her valet, her butler, uh, Sebastian, who's played by the uh, wonderful Cleavon Little. Now, everyone's like, oh my God, Blazing Saddles, Blazing Saddles. And I'm like, hold up. He was in Surf 2 from 1983, which is not a sequel to anything. They literally made a movie called Surf 2. No first film. More importantly, I've never seen Surf 2, but I like it better than Blazing Saddles. <laughs> because I think Blazing Saddles is fine. I, I don't know. Whatever. So, yes, that's our gay stereotype. I, I don't know how people feel about Cleavon Little as the gay butler he seems like the most fun he's like really vibrant in the movie he's self-aware there's jokes made at his expense which is not cool but he's so lovable that in the countess's household he does hold all the power he's the boss he's even the boss kind of of the countess yeah like he's taking care of her but she's the one on a schedule because we talk about the strange fantasy science yes okay. <laughs> is, it, is it science we were trying to do some math <laughs> <laughs> well see the, the whole premise behind this is that female vampires need to drink the blood three times of a virgin before halloween and she's got a little cadre of individuals yep uh she takes care of she's got a squad and we were we were counting them to try and figure out well how how often does she need a new virgin by yeah. Halloween? And at one point she says she's three hundred and ninety years old. So I think yeah. you were right because there are six. Yes. Right. There's a World War One flyboy. Yep. There's a Civil War guy, um, a sailor, mm-hmm. a hippie. Uh, there are twins, but we imagine they had to be the same year because there's yep, there's yep. no way she'd get both. <laughs> and and the one I was calling a prostitute, which is not appropriate and also impossible because she would have had to have been a virgin. But Holy uh, shit. But Sebastian makes a comment about how she's a long way from Covent Garden, and right. that just stuck in my head. The virgin um, sex worker. So <laughs> she was all about that flash. 
I yeah, yeah, I don't know. Nice. They don't really go into their stories. <laughs> they're kind of they're kind of caricatures. Yeah, oh boy. <laughs> um in fact, they even through most of the movie their clothes are similar to the clothes they would have had when they were killed. Yep. Their coffins are like little time capsules <laughs> of their previous lives. Only the Countess has moved on. You yep. would never know when she came from, but apparently it was 390 years before. Yeah, I think that's what she did is she just constantly remodeled herself for the times, which is which is brilliant. So yeah, we did some math because I figured she needed to do this every 100 years, but then she'd have less you know, hangers on, hangers on. Yeah. Now, granted, she might not have made every virgin she drank blood from into. There's other mythology that it's it's the three bites mm. to turn somebody like one bite. You could kill them. You could eat them. But it's the three bites to actually turn somebody. And I think it comes up. It might come up in the, the Hamilton movie, mm. too. Oh, and yeah. it, it came up in another. It was common mythology. I don't know if it was modern to the time mythology. Yeah. Or. I want to think there was even an older Dracula movie where it's three bites. Because even in Dracula, the friend, what is her name? Mina. No, that's that's the main girl. Oh, Lucy. Her, Lucy. She doesn't turn immediately. That's, that's multiple bites, right? And yeah. she's slowly turning into a vampire. So there's this three bite myth. So no. if she if she bites one three times, it's gonna be a vampire. I feel weird that I don't know. I feel weird. I feel like I've watched a billion vampire films that have never picked up on that. But so every so supposedly every fifty years or so, she has to do this. It's never explicitly mm. stated. Oh, and it's it's not that she's going to die, right? It's that she's gonna lose her youth. Yep, which is amazing because you know Lauren Hutton is timeless and. Even an even a vampire owns an exercise bike, like she's in her freaking leotard and her uh, kind of like her flash dance dance sequence get up doing her uh, her exercise bike. So anyway, she's out at this club and she picks out Mark out of the three: Mark, Jamie, and Russ. She chooses Mark, the most charming, arguably the most handsome. Although Jim Carrey's weird looking, and then like. Obviously, his friends are like knuckle-dragging dra cavemen and everything and total dweebs. But if she just chosen one of them, mm -hmm. no conflict. This movie would be over. Yeah. <laughs> but no, she chose Mark, who has, of course, a Robin. And he goes back to her place. There is so much insanity. He's such a hick nerd, like totally sheltered high school goofus. And... He would never get laid in a billion years with a sophisticated lady <laughs> because he's everything he says is a potential faux pas. And that's some of my favorite stuff in the dialogue is him like looking at that beautiful nude portrait of her and just like, oh, did you get that done at the, the shopping mall? So, <laughs> oh, my God. Classic. When she starts ripping his pants off and starts going to town, presumably to do something, but she's going to bite him. He's just like so nervous. That he's talking about his mother constantly. Can't stop talking. This is a mouth diarrhea talking about his yeah. mother. There's a picture of her in my wallet. There's some lifesavers in the other pocket while you're down there. <laughs> this is brilliant. So Mark's parents immediately notice a change in Mark. That he's becoming vampire-like. And uh, his dad is played by Richard Shaw, who's a big TV dude. Now, this guy was in everything for years and years and everything. 
His daughter is Wendy Shawl. Remember the blonde lady who was wearing her like nighty and her little fuzzy slippers in the burbs? The wife. Yeah. That was his daughter. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, Peggy Pope uh, is playing his mother. Uh, she was in a little movie called Curfew, which is a home invasion movie that I I didn't really like it. Um, but more importantly, she was in 9 to 5 from 1980. As? She was one of the office ladies. It's been a while since we've watched 9 to 5, oh, I think. Yeah, we were supposed to watch it for Labor Day. Wait. When is Labor Day? Oh, wait, that's this weekend. We're going to watch hey, it soon. We'll look for Peggy Pope. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Let's talk about the Kendall kitchen. Okay. Oh, yeah. Since I talked about the parents. Yes. Let's talk about the kitchen. So the, the parents don't actually get a lot of screen time. I no. think they're there being nice, supportive parents and noticing that, you know, Mark's not being quite himself. But of course, the, the main touch base sequences in the house take place in the kitchen and the kitchen is awesome okay <laughs> now it's mostly white cabinets um but they're very old-fashioned style cabinets this is like a very 50s to mid 60s kitchen it is trimmed in patches of yellow and so it's it's mostly white right and more yellow and then here and there, there are touches of seafoam green, the trim of the tile, but there's also a black tile trim Ooh. and the tile backsplash goes all the way up around the windows. Yeah. It's just a gorgeous kitchen. It's what we'd call a bitchin' kitchen. <laughs> uh, you know why that kitchen looks so good? It's because the cinematographer is Adam Greenberg, who shot Terminator, who shot Terminator 2, who shot Near Dark from 1987 and he shot a jeffrey favorite spellbinder from 1988 but i doubt he built the kitchen no no he filmed it okay. he's the reason we could see it <laughs> if he hadn't shown up we wouldn't be talking about this kitchen i was just intensely appreciative of this kitchen even the <laughs> fridge is sunk into a hole in the wall and it's just perfectly made like they don't do kitchens like that anymore that's a shame it all, is all kitchens look like shit now yeah so now we go to the dance <laughs> now we're at the dance so here comes your halloween content finally your Halloween content has arrived uh, at the big pre-Halloween dance, which is how it's actually like labeled in in the signage at the dance. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Mark shows up. He was supposed to dress as Jack from the legendary mythos of Jack and Jill. And Robin is dressed as Jill. And she's her costume makes no sense except she looks like a like a farm girl. A very weird farm girl with um, red circles on her face. The saving thing of her costume, her little pail, says Jill. <laughs> <laughs> that I didn't notice. Uh, and, you know, Mark really missed an opportunity because he could do, because, you know, Jack fell down and broke his crown. Mm. You know, he could be Jack in bandages. Yeah. Bloody bandages. That could be funny stuff. But no, he's dressed like himself, which happens to be a, a vampire. vampire. And everybody thinks he's dressed as a vampire. Yes. And the first person who, who um, the most important person in the movie is Suzette. She's the lady at the table giving out tickets. And ah. she writes down that he's a vampire. That was played by Megan Mullally from Will and Grace. That lady, the big boisterous, loud lady. 
comedian. She's in tons of stuff. She's amazing. I had no idea. I had no idea. I did not watch Will and Grace, though, so I would not have recognized her. I just remember the commercials for Will and Grace and thinking, wow, she's really beautiful and she's got a crazy voice. And then I never watched the show. That's on me. So that's when they're having their little dance at the dance. Let's talk about the costumes at this dance, man. We it's got... a good mix of costumes. <sighs> I, I wrote down my favorites. Let's hear it. Uh, one of my favorites was a domino. So one of those wonderful box costumes. I love it. I love the absence of sexy costumes. I love that. There was oh another girl. That was the domino was a girl. Yep, yep. There was another girl dressed like Charlie Chaplin. That was just awesome. <laughs> uh, one of my other favorites was a pretty good costume for Adam Ant. Yes. We saw him in the in the back of the crowd. Yes. Love the Adam Ant costume. Yep. Uh, my favorite costume was the guy who just put on his freaking uh, his fencing mask and fencing vest and he wasn't even the fencer there was another person at the dance who was wearing head-to-toe fencing gear Mm -hmm. and i'm like what cheap ass shit is the dude in sweatpants (laughs) fencing vest and fencing hat oh my god it's so bad it's so terrible that's my favorite so we get the big dance number with lauren hutton and uh, robin and jim curry and that's just, that's the boy is mine song. And the and girls are effectively uh, having a dance off around him. Yes. yes. And uh, Jim Carrey gets to bust out his uh, Michael Jackson moves, which are really good, except Jim Carrey is 17 feet tall <laughs> and he looks ridiculous doing those moves. Well, he also does the, the very, uh, very Jim Carrey wiggly dance moves yep, yep. in the middle of all this. And of course, because his hair is slicked back, it makes me think of like a greaser kind of a thing from the 50s uh so yeah of course she she loses and this is when mark my favorite scene is when he wins the countess loses the countess loses Mm -hmm. and and storms off and she's really pissed off at robin and she's like i'm gonna get that bitch and then (laughs) jim wins the talent contest talent contest he wins the costume contest and he's like but i'm not wearing a costume which is, I have to say that every day. <laughs> I have to say that every day at work. People really think I'm wearing a costume. I don't like it. Um, then we go to uh, Robin gets kidnapped. Oh, wait. What if it gets, gets no, this is, this is when Robin finds out he's, he's a actually a vampire because he does start vanishing in mirrors. And then she enlists his friends, Russ and Jamie, to make sure... Mm. That he's bitten. Yeah, there's a there's a whole bookstore scene where she's uh, discussing with the bookseller about books on vampires, and she finds out this insider information on what to look for, yes. and this is what she asks Russ and Jamie to do for her. The 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 horrifying uh, Indian stereotype. I forgot to look up the actor who played the uh, the quote unquote Indian bookseller. It's clearly just a white guy doing an accent, like freaking the the dude from. Uh, Short circuit. It's terrible. But it was so bad, it didn't even register to me as as Indian. <laughs> I didn't. I just thought he had an affectation. Oh uh, no, he was supposed to be like <laughs> uh, ter- whatever. It's terrible. So uh, yes, she f- discovers that the female vampire just goes after men's groins, and apparently, Mark it's the femoral artery. That's where I bite. Mark should have two holes around his dongle. Uh, and his inner thigh. So she asks his friends to look. 
why the hell she doesn't look and i know she's trying to stay a virgin but i mean how hard would it be how hard would it be to get mark to strip as she said i've seen you in your shorts before mark kendall so that's like really close to seeing more right (laughs) good lord this is crazy this is a crazy movie uh so they enact in their words a (laughs) prison rape scene in the gym showers in the gym showers everyone's naked they're grabbing this and we have the uh there's actually a lot of nudity in these things yes uh no front no full frontal though no no ding dongs no it's all butts um and yes we have the 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 homophobic slurs go flying um it's not great but um we just had to get through it and we did so then (laughs) this is when um robin gets kidnapped by Mm -hmm. the countess and we have the big showdown in the 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 mansion yeah because mark and russ and jamie go to save her so they break into the mansion and find robin and then they are all in there yeah this mansion's really strange um there's a bathhouse in the basement (laughs) i mean we saw a little of it before when we were introduced to you know the countess's hangers on all of their coffins are in something that almost looks like a big empty pool in the basement um, it's not quite a pool, though. The tile isn't. It wouldn't be functional to fill that room up with water. But there are plenty of fountains, and they're all dry fountains around that could be filled with water. It's very strange. Yep. And there are hallways upon hallways, and it's maze-like. Yep. It's a huge maze. Huge maze. Um, the the music score does the corniest thing here. This is a, a composer named John Dupre's. Um, he composed the music for... Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, 1990. Um, Monty Python's The Meaning of Life, 1983. Wow. Yeah, and, and A Fish Called Wando uh, as well. But uh, when anything, I qu- I'm going to put this in quotes, heroic happens, mm-hmm. like when Robin punches a vampire or Mark like deftly avoids getting gotten by one of the vampires they play this like weird theme it was dun, da, da. in the freaking trivia they say it's supposed to be an indiana jones cue and i'm like it makes me think of video games yeah it makes me think of like a 19 i guess the closest thing i could say about it that it's sort of indiana jones like is it sounds like an old heroic theme from like an errol flynn movie so but I did not immediately jump to Indiana Jones. I jumped to video games. It reminded me of uh, Scott Pilgrim in the fight uh, sequence there. That was more of a video gamey sound. There you but go. the progression of notes was almost exactly the same. I get you. That, that's exactly. I like that. I like that. So, of course, the Countess is defeated. Um, Mark and Jamie, we timed how long they had sex. Yes, defeated by just running away with enough time in front of them and realizing that this could all be over if they just had sex if he wasn't a virgin in a coffin right so so they shut the doors yep. right and then it's 20 seconds before the bad guys enter the room yep. after they yep. lock the doors yep. and then it's 45 seconds before the bad guys notice what's happening yep so altogether it's 45 seconds for them to Get in a coffin. Yep. The coffin meant for him. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a big like double wide. And get started. And get finished. Yep. Or wait, no, they weren't quite finished when they were noticed. Yes. So it went on for maybe five more seconds after that. We have to add more time because they had to roll those cigarettes. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. They, they came out of the coffin with cigarettes. That's funny stuff. That's comedy. <laughs> That's how you know they had sex is the frickin' cigarettes. And the countess turns old. I'll never find a virgin. Never. And, and this is uh, where you see Sebastian's power in its full glory. Yes. And he ushers her off. Her, her hangers-on have fled yep. because she turned old. Yep. And apparently her power over them is gone. But Sebastian is there. And he's ushering her off and promising to take care of her and find her virgin Out somewhere. In Nebraska. Or Iowa. So. So I'm ready for the sequel. <laughs> you know, I'm ready. Got a little trivia here. Talk a little bit more about the cast. Uh, Stuart Charno is in this. Um, he was in um, Friday the 13th Part 2. And he's been some other horror stuff. I really like Stuart Charno. He's the cabin boy vampire. Oh, Yes. The screenwriter uh, wanted Michael J. Fox for uh, Mark's role because, of course, he did. Oh, okay, yeah. Why wouldn't Why wouldn't they want that? According to the trivia, the tune that Mark's ice cream truck plays is a variation on the Peter theme from uh, Sergei Prokofiev. Oh my God, Sergei Prokofiev's so, Peter and the Wolf. Do 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 do. Bam! Lovely. Um, so there's a scene where Mark decides he's, he's vamping out. He's scared. Goes to the priest. Priest isn't there. He doesn't notice the homeless guy go into the confessional on the other side. And he confesses all the stuff that's going wrong with him. And the, uh, the homeless guy says, um, you're going to need a shovel because you're in deep shit. According to the trivia, the original line was pass me the toilet paper. I'm all out on this side. And they changed it because the producer, Samuel Goldwyn Jr., felt the original dialogue would get the film condemned by the Catholic Church because there's a guy pooping in a confessional. And I have a feeling he's not wrong. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, let's see. The, the uh, You'll like this. The high school scenes were filmed at Mark Twain Jr. High in Venice, California. Nice. So, yeah. Uh, oh, here's the more cast stuff I had. Uh, Carrie Moore, who plays the Mall Flanders vampire, she's also a twin, and she was one of the twins in Friday the 13th, the final chapter. And uh, Dominic Brascia, who played Joey in Friday the 13th, A New Beginning, is also in this. He's the guy who wants Mark to give him some ice cream while they're at makeout point. Uh. And Mark tells him that... Uh, they're closed for renovations. <laughs> so we got... Uh, gay jokes, racist humor, and fat joke, because, of mm. course, that dude is not a slender actor. And finally, the last piece of trivia I have, which sounds made up. This sounds completely crazy. In a deleted scene, all of the vampire characters were eating cockroaches. Jim Carrey insisted on real cockroaches and so multiple actors were upset when the scene was cut because they were forced to eat cockroaches for nothing. Where did that come from? What? Who told that story? That sounds... It doesn't, yeah, that doesn't make very much sense. <laughs> and also, Jim Carrey was never actually a vampire, so he wouldn't have been part of that scene. Yep. So why would he insist on right. real cockroaches? Doesn't make any sense. No. Uh, my favorite line from the movie... Is when um, I think it's uh, Russ. No, it's yeah, I think it's Russ who threatens uh, Sebastian with a uh, he has a flaming 
It's a torch. It's a torch. He's holding a torch up to him and he says, how would you like your balls set on fire? And Sebastian goes, ooh, rough trade. That is beautiful. That's a beautiful stuff. <sighs> That's once bitten. Some it stuff is. I skipped for, 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 who cares? <laughs> how do you feel about once bitten? I've always liked the movie. Yeah. Yes. I didn't see it in the 80s. I definitely did not know this movie existed. In the I, 80s. I saw it in the 80s. It's probably not immediately when it came yeah. out, but I saw it. Yeah, I, I caught it on then. cable and I loved it. I remember seeing it at my parents' house in the 90s on cable and just being like, this movie is amazing. How did I not know this existed? And being like, who's that little whippersnapper, Jim Carrey? <laughs> Once Bitten had some uh, alternate titles. Ah. So... <laughs> The French title for Once Bitten translates to, we only bite twice. <laughs> the Japanese title is is titled, uh, excuse me, the Japanese title translates to Once Bitten Koi no Chuchu Vampire. That is what, that is what Google Translate says. That wasn't no. That was a Romaji translation. They didn't translate that all the way. I don't know what they were doing. What the hell is Koi no Chuchu? I have no idea. Um, that was the whole thing. That was it. I think that's somebody's kiss. Oh, okay. Uh, the the, the title, the title in Spain in in, uh, in uh, Spanish is Dangerous Bites. And then finally, the, the the Portuguese title for Once Bitten, Wanted, Virgin Boy. <laughs> it's perfect. It's perfect. But folks, we're not done. We got we to gotta talk about another movie. We're going to talk about freaking My Best Friend is a Vampire from 1987. Here is the trailer for that film now. Every teenager has problems. But when Jeremy Capallo looked in the mirror... He knew things were not quite normal. The mirror's not working. They say older women are different. He just wanted to find out how. At last, a movie you can sink your teeth into. I'm a vampire. Wait. You're telling me that I'm going to be a teenager for another 20 years? But it wasn't just his lust for blood which caused the problems. What are you saying? That they think I'm a vampire? Now the vampire hunters are after him. Stay back! You don't want me! I'm old! The stakes are high. Someone's going to get it in the neck. And soon. So you think you have problems? Okay, that was the trailer for My Best Friend is a Vampire. That trailer has a voiceover guy who's a little too... 
I don't know if you could understand it, folks. I really had to struggle with him. He's like doing like a creepy voice, and it's just super ridiculous. Um, surprisingly, that didn't have a better trailer. I don't know why. I mean, this movie, I think, was one of those dumped into theater movies and disappeared quickly. It definitely wasn't as big of a hit as Once Bitten, which is sad. So, here we go with the plot synopsis on the back of the DVD. The Lost Collection. The best movies you totally forgot about. <laughs> Includes a trivia track. I did watch some of the trivia track. It's a trivia game with uh, multiple choice. Ah. And it's mainly about the cast and, and what else they were in. So here we go. Oh, this is long. Hold on. Vampirism isn't all the horror it's made out to be. It's just an alternative lifestyle. Mm. You drink a bit of blood and get to live ten times longer than anyone else. Nothing to it. At least that's what Jeremy Capello, Robert Sean Leonard, House MD, thinks when he gets a deep love bite from a hot date. Before he knows it, his reflection in the bathroom mirror has vanished, he can't stand the smell of garlic, and he's developed an overwhelming passion for raw steak. Things don't seem too bad until the arrival of maniac vampire hunter Professor McCarthy, David Warner of Titanic. I don't even remember him being Titanic. He's staking out, quotations, Jeremy, and the future doesn't look so bright. Wink. Anything can happen, and it does in this hilarious comedy that gives a whole new meaning to the world nightlife. World nightlife. Wow. Thank you. Full screen, Lionsgate. <sighs> Come on, people. I don't need every movie on Blu-ray, but I would love it if this movie was at least in widescreen, for God's sake. Uh, so this was directed by Jimmy Houston. The director of Final Exam, 1981, a wonderful slasher movie, if you haven't seen that before. Uh, this was written by Tab Murphy, who wrote the Disney movies Tarzan, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, Atlantis, The Lost Empire, and then during harder times, he wrote Bobbleheads, the movie. Okay. I watched a little clip of Bobbleheads, the movie. And I can't tell if it was funny or disturbing or both. It's an, it's an animated film, mm -hmm. CGI, and watching a bobblehead lady put on lipstick was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. 2.3 out of 10 on IMDb. That is brutal. Brutal. A lot of movies we talk about on this show might be a four- might be a six like this is a six uh one spit in 5.5 that's not those aren't great numbers <laughs> but man <laughs> bobbleheads the movie uh so we got robert sean leonard as our pal jeremy capello he's apparently an, an italian american i don't know his name is just capello uh so yes much like our our, our hero and mark in the other movie he just wants to get laid, bro. But now, no. I think I think his friend wants him to, to get, get laid. laid more. Jeremy is actually kind of laid back and not right. sleazy in no. any way. He does, however, dream. Yes. And have an obsession with his dream date. Yeah. And and this is what unites this in the last movie, too. The dream sequences. Dream sequences. There's some crazy dream sequences and in this one it, it starts jeremy's obsession with darla blake oh my god so so yeah he's having this dream where he's in the band playing tuba which is weird because he doesn't play tuba in real life and there's a girl on the cheerleading squad 
who has a crush on him. And this is true in real life, too. We find out. Yeah. Jeremy Capello is a wanted man on this campus. It is so weird. So this, because he seems like he'd be a nerdy dude. And obviously, Robert Chun Leonard is freaking awesome. But I think he's supposed to be a nerd, but yet he's got all these girls crushing this on is, him. This is what we, we figured out watching this movie is that neither of the movies, they're about high school, right? right? Neither of the movies really give you very much hints as to what what clicks these people are right. in. As as we know, we've all been in high school. Well maybe we've all been in high school. And <laughs> in high school it has a caste system. Yeah. It it has clicks. It has when I was in school, it was it had when my mother was in school and I'm oh, sure yeah. it has now. Yep. You have the popular people, you have jocks, you have upper rung, maybe like popular adjacent people. Yeah. And like nerds are not popular. No. And yet Jeremy Capel, he's kind of, he's kind of riding the line. Yeah. Like he's looked on favorably by his peers, but he's also called nerd by his peers. Yeah. And it's really hard to figure out where he stands in high school. Mark in, in uh, Once Bitten, he's got a Letterman jacket. So he's a jock. He's probably a jock, but they don't say what sport. We never get a hint of what he does. Right. We don't really see much of the high school life there. Yeah. And Jeremy is just, just like the hottest dude on, in school again. <laughs> Um, he dreams about uh, our, our pal Darla Blake, and this is uh, an actress named Cheryl Pollock. Um, she's done some TV stuff, but we've seen her in Pump Up the Volume in 1990, and the movie that needs a Blu-ray because it has it has not gotten to DVD at all. It stayed stuck in VHS still to, at the time of this recording. It's a little movie called Nightlife. It's about a dude who works in a mortuary with his uncle and his uncle's played by the guy who played uh, Gomez in the Adam family TV show. Okay. And he has a crush on Cheryl Pollock's character and she looks completely different in that movie. Like this movie, she is basically an eighties fashion victim boy looking character. Like they, they went for the, the close cropped hair and, you know, she's kind of a band geek with she's the nerdy glasses. Half, she's half fashionable. Yeah. She's got the makeup and the hairstyle, but then she's got the wardrobe of the teen witch, which is not fashionable. <laughs> no. And in fact, she's more conservatively dressed than the teen witch because teen witch at least would put on like a mini skirt. Oh, at wait. One when point. she got out of her parents. Though. No, I right. mean like the original wardrobe yeah. of teen witch. With, uh, you know, a, a skirt down to the ankles, mm-hmm. very conservative tops. And of course... <sighs> Cheryl Pollock did not need shoulder pads and they give her mega shoulder it's pads. The 80s. I know, but the, on her, they look like football padding shoulder. I, mean, it's, I was oh, a she rebel. So bad. Every time I got a new shirt, I was cutting those things out <laughs> and I knew that was aberrant behavior that because was not- it was the 80s. <laughs> oh my God. It's so funny. So, so the, the fun thing about, um, Darla Blake is that she has never thought of Jeremy Capello Capello at all. She's not thought about him in any way, shape, or form. No, and she's creeped out by his attention. <laughs> so yeah, in real life, he's staring at her, and she just passes him a note, just like in the dream. But it's not a "follow me to the girls' showers." It's a "stop staring, creep." Uh, but in the dream, he's interrupted. The, their their meeting is interrupted by this mystery woman. Who we'll come to meet later. This mystery woman is a little vampire named Nora. 
Yes. So when he has this dream, we're introduced to both Darla Blake and to the Nora character, but he's not involved. So Jeremy does not have a girlfriend that he starts the movie with. So Mm. when he meets Nora, he's just having a date. Having a date. Uh, Nora is played by someone named Cecilia Peck. Uh, She's in a very 90s crime drama that rides the artsy angle, you know, like you know, dime a dozen um, edgy indie movies called Killing Zoe from 1993. Don't know how big of a part she played in that, but I have to say she's still like running around in Hollywood doing stuff to this day. She has aged very gracefully. That lady sleeps in Tupperware. <laughs> she seriously, seriously is just like, I don't know. I think the picture was had to have been from 2015 2016 she looked amazing i was like what while doing his deliveries for his groceries he does he delivers whole groceries foods. at whole foods he delivers no for whole foods <laughs> i wonder if whole foods started in texas because this movie this is like houston this is, this is in houston it's this very is, texas yeah this is houston's number one movie except for all the other stuff they'd rather you know claim and <laughs> be proud of uh, but yeah, he works at whole foods and he's delivering groceries and that's when he meets Nora has a great line where he's in her creepy mansion that's supposedly abandoned and her cat is there greeting him (laughs) or it's just her. And he's like her cat named Nora. He's like, why am I talking to a cat? And that's my favorite line that he says in the movie. It's not my favorite line from the movie. So she totally wants him bad and tells him to come back. She's like, please come back. I need your body. Mm -hmm. So he tells his buddy Ralph this is the crazy thing to me about Ralph. Um, Ralph is his best bud, his sleazebag buddy, uh, much like our pals, Russ and Jamie. He's also a sleazebag. But he's actually had experience with ladies, as we assume, because as they're walking along the campus, he gets the shit slapped out of him by <laughs> some rando lady that we have to assume he had sex mm-hmm. with. Well, according to Jer- Jeremy, Jeremy, this is no virgin movie. So Jeremy right. and Russ... Have both had experiences. Yes. Uh, but Ralph is played by Evan Morand, who did not do a whole lot, but he had small parts in both Seven and Fight Club. Who's is that, that dog? What the... What? Who's that Basset Hound? Folks, I, don't, I don't know Basset Hound. There's just a random dog in our driveway. Oh, he's like, how'd I get here? Where's anybody? Hello? I bet he's next door. I bet he's... Yeah, yeah. he probably belongs to the the group. Stay out of the street, little goofball. Yep. That's all we care about. Look how forgiving we are. We let dogs <laughs> on our property. He encourages him to go after this woman. So <laughs> Jeremy gets dressed up in his best suit or his, his only suit. Mm-hmm. And he goes off to, to have a tryst with Nora the vampire. Oh, yeah. We need to mention Ralph's license plate. It says beaver hunt. Yeah. Well, Ralph is the driver for these two uh, characters. So Ralph picks Jeremy up for school every day yep. and, and all of that stuff. But yes, his his license plate. I don't care for it. No. Um, so this is and, where... and being Texas, yeah. unlike other states, the license plate is repeated on the front and the back. So you get to see it a lot in the movie. <laughs> so in Florida, we only need a license plate on the back. Right. So anybody who has a license plate on the front, it's just a vanity. It's going to be something that they bought at the mall. Yeah. But uh, in Texas, you need them equal on on both front and back. We tried to get Beaver Hunt, but it was taken. We had to get Leave It to Beaver. 
Um, so when he goes to meet up with Nora, uh, we meet the vampire hunter and his not very great um, sidekick. Grimsdyke. Yes. Uh, Paul Wilson plays Grimsdyke, the, the, the bumbling assistant. Um, this dude had a long freaking career. Very long career. Um, he was in a little movie called The Devonsville Terror, which is an amazing uh, witch movie that I can't wait to show you. And uh, and David Warner, of course, rest in peace, uh, legendary British actor, Twin Peaks, Star Trek movies. It's insane. It's just wonderful. They are there to destroy the vampire. And of course, instead of trying to save Jeremy's life as he sneaks in to the mansion. They just wait <laughs> to see what's going to happen. They don't even try to rescue him from his fate. It's fucking assholes. <laughs> I hate them so much. These are the two most annoying characters in the movie, but they provide a lot of com- comic joy. God bless them. And so Jeremy gets bit. He runs out wrapped in a silk sheet, which is beautiful. Has to leave all his clothes behind. Except his socks. Except his socks, um, which you always leave your socks on during sex, no matter what. That's a rule. <laughs> Don't want to hear no about it. And Ralph drives them away. Yep. And thus the professor and Grimsdyke think that the person who owns the car is the one who is now a vampire. So Ralph's life is now in danger the entire movie mm-hmm. <laughs> because of this mix up. But now our pal Jeremy is a vampire and uh, he's immediately uh, spotted and is being um, followed by uh, a very cool actor. I'm probably going to butcher this name. I'm going to try. René Abergenois. René Abergenois. Look at that. We did it. Playing uh, Modoc. Plays Modoc, not Odo. Not Odo. Modoc. He did play Odo later. He did. <laughs> uh, he was also in Benson, which I loved. I loved yes. Benson. And then he was my favorite character in, which was that Star Trek? That, that was um, Deep Space Nine. Yeah, that was yeah, the yeah. station. Now, we did skip. We skipped the parents. We met yeah, the parents. Back. We're coming back for him. We're coming back for him. Okay. Uh, he was also in The Eyes of Laura Mars from 1978. Nice American giallo action. But let's talk about Mr. and Mrs. Capello. What's their kitchen like? Uninspiring. I think it was a fake kitchen, actually. <laughs> I think so. that was put together by the scene builders because there's like, they were trying to evoke a 70s with like uh, stained plywood cabinets. Yeah, yeah. But then they're, they're like turquoise-ish door frames. And then across the room is a set of pink cabinets. And it's just, it's not even laid out like a real kitchen. (laughs) It's pretty awful. The most interesting thing about the Capellos is that Mrs. Capello always has the police radio band playing. Yep. Even in their car. So, so it helps drive the story that she has this police scanner because she's always telling uh, Ralph, who drives like a maniac, about these speed traps. Mm -hmm. But why else does she have a police scanner? What is her husband's job? I don't know. No what idea. is her job? Does, does no she idea. work for the, the, the freaking uh, the cops? Like, what's going on? We get about as much information about them as we got about Mark Kendall's parents <laughs> in the background. But but the Capellos have much more screen time yes, and more personality oh in My Best Friend is a Vampire. Yeah, and Mark Mark's dad hates jogging. Yes, that's, but that's... he does it anyway. <laughs> but yes, this is um, uh, Kenneth Kimmons as Mr. Capello. He was in the remake of Invaders from Mars, 1986, which I'm a big fan of. He had a freaking crazy career. You've seen his face and tons of stuff. He's, I think he's still going. Um, now, 
Mrs. Capello is played by Fanny Flagg, who was in Five Easy Pieces from 1970, legendary Jack Nicholson movie, but more important than that, she played Nurse Wilkins in Greece, 1978. Yes. Someone stole her freaking uh, castor oil. Castor oil. Yeah. <laughs> Which I don't want to imagine why these children would be stealing. I just stealing. imagined that the castor oil was stolen so they'd never have to take it. Oh. I, I didn't uh, think there was anything more underhanded about it. A devious prank with people I just thought they didn't want it. So if they figured they, they stole it. It wouldn't happen to them. Oh, God. But anyway, <laughs> here's the weird thing about her. Guess what she wrote? What? She wrote Fried Green Tomatoes at the Whistle Stop Cafe, the <gasps> book. Wow. Which was made into Fried Green Tomatoes, which starred Kathy Bates, who we'll be talking about in a oh, little yes. bit. Yeah. Much like uh, the parents in uh, Once Bitten, uh, Mark's parents are also concerned with how weird he's being. Mm-hmm. But they immediately get the idea that he's gay. And the reason they think he's gay, aside from he doesn't have a girlfriend. He doesn't have a girlfriend. It's because of Modoc. Right. So so Modoc is hanging around and a you know, very stylish older gentleman mm-hmm. keeps hanging around his son and taking him in rides in his fancy freaking ugly car, which eventually I- Jeremy just has the car. The car is a BMW. It's, oh, it's, the BMW. it's like a fancy and it's a is it Nightman is the license plate on that one? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I wish everyone in the movie had a car and we got a good look at their license plate. <laughs> like, uh, oh my God. Darla's would say, stop staring, creep. <laughs> but, you know, spelled out. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Um, so they think he's gay and their immediate reaction is shock. They're, you know, they're shocked about this whole thing, but they don't do, they don't send him to conversion camp. They don't beg him not to be gay. They don't harsh his buzz. They totally go to the freaking bookstore. Probably the one. They, they educate themselves. Probably the bookstore with another Indian stereotype, but that scene was cut. We didn't see it. <laughs> they get books on how to deal with your your child coming out. It's acceptance. <gasps> oh my and God. then and then I realized too. So we see them educating themselves about acceptance. And one speech has already happened and another speech is forthcoming about vampires just wanting to live and have happy lives like anybody else. It's totally like acceptance speeches through this entire movie. I got to wonder if the writer or someone involved in the producing of this movie was gay and wanted these themes, you know, like hidden in there. And it's so good. I love it. That's what gets you the 6.0. On IMDb versus a 5.5 for Once Bitten, y'all. That's all I'm saying. Now, I did, in the middle of this, I had a question. (laughs) Please. Why is Ralph in Driver's Ed? Okay. so He drives. So, Ralph is is a maniac on the road, but he's on the road. He's driving. He has his own car and he's driving. Learner's permit would mean he has to have a licensed driver in the car. Now, in Texas, you could also have something called a hardship license where you could start driving alone at the age of 15 if you had a job to go to after work. But Mm. Ralph doesn't work. Ralph doesn't work. We we see he's got a nice house, Mm. nice room, never meet his parents. Why is he in driver's ed? Why is he in driver's ed? And the driver's ed teacher hates him. Yes, because he drives like a fucking maniac. (laughs) 
So Ralph has been in danger this whole time. Yep. The professor and Grimsdyke capture him. They kidnap him. But then only only Jeremy knows what's going on. And for some reason, he decides to go get Darla, even yes. though she's pissed off at him. He has since had a date with her yeah, we and stood her about, up. Yeah, we'll talk about her parents real quick. Oh, yes. Her parents, uh, one is played by Kathy Bates, her mom. Love it. Um, her dad is played by John Chappelle. And he was in Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park. 1978 <laughs> one of the most legendary piece of garbage movies ever and uh yeah they're so excited about darla having a date that <laughs> they take a photo of her first date they want to take a photo of course mark can't be captured on film jeremy fuck so jeremy can't be captured on film and uh the, he thinks oh the camera's broken and oh yeah that's their house theme. is weird their house is weird their house is very weird yes they are they're very great hosts and very gracious parents i think uh darla's father offers jeremy a drink he's like no i'm Jeremy's driving like i'm driving <laughs> and of course that t- it's like oh good answer it was a test um no, their house wasn't. is strange their house numbers are done in neon yeah um but the the camera being broken is another theme i really like about this so in Once Bitten, when Mark can't see himself in a mirror, he immediately becomes afraid. Yep. You know, he goes to thinking he's turning into a vampire. When Jeremy wakes up in the morning and can't see himself in a mirror, he's like, this mirror is broken. <laughs> and then he goes to another mirror in his room and it doesn't work. He's like, does anything work in this house? <laughs> so then then you get, you know, this camera is broken. Nobody has any suspicion that there's anything wrong. Nope. <laughs> I love it. He and Darla have a terrible date uh, because he he nearly bites her. He nearly freaking vamps out on her. So he leaves her stranded at yeah, the he, makeout. He pulls point. her out of the car and drives away. And her luckily her friend was there to give her a ride home, but she's very upset. Never wants to see him As again. She should be exactly. And that that is when he goes to get her help when Ralph is kidnapped. Right. Oh yes, Mark tries to use his vampire hypno powers on Darla. That's funny. I like yeah, that it doesn't, scene. It doesn't work out very well. <laughs> Oddly enough, he did practice this earlier in the movie. So before Ralph was kidnapped, Ralph wanted to utilize these oh, yeah, vampire yeah. hypno powers to get himself laid. And that ended up making Grimsdyke fall in love with Ralph. Yes. So even though the point we, we've gotten up to, Ralph is in danger, he's been kidnapped. Grimsdyke is still kind of like trying to help him out <laughs> because, you know, he's in love with Ralph now. He wants to be Ralph's love slave. Exactly. The, the whole sequence where they go to pick up women using Jeremy's powers is awesome. It's like the standout scene for me with this movie is like got Amelia Kincaid, who is Angela, also known as Mimi Kincaid. Uh, she played Angela in the Night of the Demons movies. Mm-hmm. And as Mimi <clears throat> Kincaid, she showed up as one of the dancers in Girls Just Want to Have Fun. Folks, if you haven't seen Girls Just Want to Have Fun, <laughs> the movie, not the song, the song is in the movie, but they couldn't afford the real version, which I love when they, they decided to do a cover because it's cheaper than paying the royalties for the original song. Anyway, watch that one. It's so tacky and great, just like this. So she's this punk rocker. They're, they're at a punk rock club. They don't go somewhere normal to get Ralph a girl. They go to the punk rock club with a freaking punk band playing. And shit's jumping off. Everything's going completely crazy. And Amelia Kincaid, who's a professional dancer, is 
like not even cutting a rug. She's taking a machete to the rug. She's <laughs> dancing and going nuts. And when they try to zap a different girl with the whammy powers, they end up putting the whammy on Grimsdyke. But then right before Amelia can strut her stuff across the room to Ralph, <laughs> Grimsdyke bursts in. I love you. Pushes her out of the way. <laughs> oh, brother. Climactic car chase. And then uh, the... the uh, police scanner radio comes into play yet again yeah so the the capellos know now that uh that jeremy has stolen a police car and is running after his friend ralph who has been kidnapped and in danger yep. and they immediately jump in their car to go help their son and they miss the call from the police radio of jeremy going mom dad i'm all right <laughs> by the way i want you to meet darla oh boy oh boy so we have a great showdown scene where instead of this big, like, all-out brawl between the vampire hunter and the vampire, we literally have Jeremy shooting holes through Professor McCarthy's logic on what makes a vampire. Right. So Ralph is stretched out and tied to the altar of a church. <laughs> and they are going to stake him through the heart with a wooden stake. And as Jeremy so aptly points out, a stake through the heart would kill anyone. Uh, they're they're willing to kill this kid just in case, yeah. just in case. And then they find out Jeremy's a vampire, so chase ensues, and they're rescued by our pal Modok and the other vampires. And the wolf pack, the wolf pack, the all the the ladies, because that's the thing about these vampires, they don't turn into bats, they turn into wolves. Except for Nora, who sometimes also turns into a cat. <laughs> sure. She's she's still feeling out. There, her there is a little bit of strange science there because Jeremy makes uh, asks a question to Modok at one point if he can turn into a bat, and Modok's like, "Don't be silly." But wait, Nora can turn into a cat. That's not that silly. And Modok can turn into a wolf. How is that silly? <laughs> it's a perfectly reasonable question. Um, so yeah, movie ends with evil defeated because our buddy David Warner becomes a vampire. He gets bit. And he goes oh, from and his transformation is immediate. Oh, he goes from completely batshit crazy to Mr. Chill. Yeah, I guess I'll just run with the pack for a while, you know, because of course he's got all these lovely lasses who look like they escaped from a freaking. Yeah, he, was, he was mobbed by like six or eight beautiful vampire women. But they look like they escaped from a freaking uh, prom dress fashion show. <laughs> all of them are wearing these hideous gowns. <laughs> They're prancing in the night in like the freaking. Uh, neon green taffeta like what is happening <laughs> we get the scene that i love where jeremy's parents who totally accept that he's gay and tell you know, we know what's been going on with him. he's like you really you know what's been going on with me think he's thinking they're talking about vampirism but no they're talking about being gay and then they introduce him no oh, excuse me then he introduces them to darla and they get all excited like oh thank god he's not gay but i'm like Clearly, she's a beard. What? She is. She looks like a boy. So she's like a. She's like a practice. Like the next person he dates will be a man. That's my guess. I wasn't thinking that deeply into it. I wasn't either. I just made that up. I love how during this whole conversation, of course, Ralph is there witnessing. <laughs> Unbelievable. And and he thinks he thinks that they're talking about the vampirism too. Because yep. he's the one. He, he the movie. My best friend is a vampire. He's the real central character because the title of the movie is My Best Friend is a Vampire. Right. And his best friend happens to, to be, be a vampire. vampire yes. Right. And that's the end of the movie. 
Okay, the original title of this, the working title, was Bad Blood, hmm. which is not, that's not good. That's a terrible title. This is also known as I Was a Teenage Vampire, which is the trailer I played. Okay. The Italian title translates to The Brilliant Career of a Young Vampire. And I'm like, that kind of works. I wonder if this movie was like a hit in Italy. I could see this one working in Italy. Yeah. We got a Lietta favorite, Tim Buck 3 on the soundtrack. Oh, yes. Now, uh, that was in the introduction and the montage? Yeah. Yep. And we got uh, Blondie is on this one. Uh, Oingo Boingo is on this one. And everyone's favorite, the Toad Hoppers. Eh. I think they're a made-up band for the movie. Um, my favorite line in My Best Friend is a Vampire is, of course, when Darla is visiting, or she doesn't know she's visiting, she's just shopping for groceries innocently and bumps into Jeremy, or he jump, he bumps into her. He's stocking the milk yep. fridge. And he's hiding from Modoc because he keeps seeing Modoc around corners. But not in mirrors. But not in mirrors. Mm-hmm. So he bumps into Darla, he grabs her, and they go into the cooler, and he's like, look out there, do you see the guy? Do you see that man? And she looks. She's like, no, I don't see anybody. And then he tells her that he, he doesn't appear in mirrors or whatever. And she says, no problem. I'm carrying a can of invisible hairspray. <laughs> no idea what in the world that was supposed to be. Well, invisible hairspray <clears throat> must be the best way to defend yourself from an invisible man. Yep. Though, you know, hairspray doesn't do much for defense unless you light it on fire. Yeah. The trivia on this movie is paltry. I really wish that somebody like Vinegar Syndrome or something would pick this up. I don't know. I don't know what Lionsgate, like getting a movie from Lionsgate would be like for like a boutique label. I'm thinking Shout Factory could do this one day. <clears throat> but I just want some extras. I want to know more. Uh, the trivia is just paltry. And I found that the only trivia I have that I am adding to the conversation the anime film Final Yamato from 1983, Jeremy has a poster of that movie in his freaking mm-hmm. room. And I'm like, it's, and it's the Japanese poster. Where did he get that? It's great. I love it. How do you feel about uh, My Best Friend is a Vampire? I've always liked this one. Yeah. I, I always liked Robert Sean Leonard, too. I, I enjoyed him whenever I saw him in a movie. Of course, I can't really remember many that he was in at this time period. I mean, this in Dead Poet Society. Yeah. He's had quite a career, but I, I just, we just don't watch any of that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> no, I like this one. This was one I always saw the cover for and knew that it existed. But I didn't watch it until you and I got this DVD. I think that was a first time watch. And I was immediately struck with the similarities between Once Bitten, which came out two years earlier, which we've been talking about. But here we go. Here's some stuff. Um, we have a bloody meat joke with the blood drained. Yes, yeah, so we from... have we have the, uh, the 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 during the vampire transformation sequence. Both of the main characters end up either accidentally or mm. gravitating towards raw and yep. raw meat and blood. Uh, we've got kooky confused parents, mm-hmm. uh, sleaze bag friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, both have gay panic. Although this movie. Certainly not as egregious as right. the other one. We have the dream sequences. Yep. We got a one night stand with a sleazy woman. Uh, the dreams are influencing the story. Uh, they both have corny ass freaking songs. Mm. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I, I feel like even though 
you could say because this movie came out two years later, that's a ripoff of Once Bitten. But they're so different in yeah. the little details, and especially in the, the 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 sly message that's in this one. Yeah, I mean, beyond the 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 evil force in Once Bitten are actually the vampires. Yeah. And the evil force in My Best Friend is a Vampire are the vampire hunters. Yep, the human beings are the worst. Yeah. Which is always true. Whew, man, that was a discussion, boy. Folks, I hope you're enjoying your pre-Halloween season. I really hope you're watching stuff to keep you sane. Because it's so unfair. Life is unfair that October <laughs> is only a month long. It's not, it's not right. It is wrong. But, Lieta, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. Yeah. I think we'll hang out more mm-hmm. in the future. We've we've been preparing an episode for a very long time. <laughs> yes. This is not the last you'll hear from us. I think that's it. I guess, I guess we could stop talking. Oh, okay. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. This is the Doom Show is a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network. Please check out the other podcasts on legionpodcasts.com. If you'd like more Hello, This is the Doom Show, go to hellodoomshow.podomatic.com or go to doomedmoviethon.com for the archives. If that's still not enough, go to at doomedmoviethon on Twitter. You can write in to Hello, This is the Doom Show. Use the email doomedmoviethon at gmail.com. Doom Show episodes are available on record and 8-track cassette.